coming into our eighth episode, Zach and I thought we might have issues finding something to talk about. Two hours later, we had a we had a podcast. We're going to split it in half. So if this one ends a bit abruptly, that's why. Welcome to Courtside Indiana Podcast. This is episode eight. And this is Jim Reamer uh, here once again with Zach Tyler. Zach, how are you doing? Doing well, Jim. Thanks for having me again. Yep, having you, man. You are. This is it. This is. We're not, I'm not having you. <laughs> I'm you are. This in. is. You're locked in. You're locked in. You All are right. part of this. As we grow this bad boy, you are definitely going to be part of this. Is, Good uh, deal. So, um, let's jump right into it. Was it last Tuesday, or maybe it was Monday? But Tuesday, it surfaced. Um, yeah, it was definitely Tuesday because it was something that was posted on YouTube. I think part of a YouTube video or YouTube press conference or that, um, I can't remember her last, I should have looked up her name before we did this, but basically the, uh, the, 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 the Indiana department of education, the head of that was asked a question about high school gym weight rooms being open in June. And I am definitely paraphrasing and, and adding my own emphasis here. Her her response was like, what the heck are you guys talking about? We shut schools down until June 30th. And all of a sudden, the entire basketball world froze. It just was like, wait a minute, we didn't know that. And I've talked to members of the IBCA. I've talked to a couple of college coaches uh, that, I, that I talked to quite a bit. And... You know, all of a sudden it was like, okay, so June's done as far as high school basketball is concerned. Anything that deals with high school coaches, high school facilities, there's some question marks on the facility side uh, because how much does the Department of Education have on a building Sure. Um, versus how much they have on the actual academic functioning of a building? Like if a, you know, I pay a lot, you know, I pay taxes in Carmel <laughs> based on the properties that I own. And if Carmel High School wants to rent it, rent it, wants to rent it out and make money, I'm fine with that. As long as it's safe, I get not having school. I get definitely not having school functions. Um, and I'm not altogether against it. It's just as a basketball fan, I'm annoyed. But, but basically, June is done, and and I don't know that anybody thought when you're a teacher. Right. Yep. yep, yep. <laughs> we've we've established this, right? So when the when it was in in late March, no, actually it was early, what early April when it was decided school's done for the rest of the year. Right. To you as a teacher, did rest of the year mean the school count like the end of classes, which for here is the week leading into Memorial Day. Right. Same up here for us. Yeah. That's, that's what that, is that what you were thinking? That's what I took that as. Yeah. As right at the end of May there around Memorial Day weekend. Right. I mean, that's what I did. I think most everybody else did too. And I think then the question mark was going to be, what does the governor decide? And, you know, and guys like me and you, I, I, Obviously, I can't speak for your disposition, but someone like me, we were talking about the regionals in March. When they said, we're going to have the regionals, but it's going to be essential people only, which were parents and media and coaches and players, of course, and referees. I was in. Sure. (laughs) You know? Yeah. I've I've done my social distance. I wear my mask when I go grocery shopping. I wear my mask when I go to any place that I think is going to be crowded. Even more now, I wear it. You know, even as I go into like an auto parts store today, I promised I wouldn't talk about my car situation today. But um, <laughs> snuck it in there. But right. But I mean, I'm in on on. You know the the cool thing is is when you do the media thing at games, you you get to sit. You know, you, you kind of get to sit a little bit isolated unless the gym's really packed. But, you know, at the same time, you're not sitting in the stands with a bunch of strangers. 
you know, if I'm sitting next to anybody in a media table, it's somebody that typically somebody that I know, or at least somebody that I know of. And, and I generally trust people, maybe foolishly, but, but I'm in, if they're having stuff in June, the top 100 at Ben Davis, the, the Charlie Hughes invitational at various schools, I'm going to be there. That's just how that is. If I got to go sit in a corner somewhere away from everybody, I will. Um, easier for me if it's at Carmel. I mean, that it's at Carmel. I know my way around. Um, it's, you know, but I'm, I'm in because I trust the people that are involved in those situations. The coaches, especially even the college coaches have been vigilant in, Hey, we're, they're making sure they're safe. Um, so yeah, so this I wish I I can't remember her name. So this woman comes out and says, it doesn't matter that she's a woman, but this person come out and said, nope, June thirtieth is the date. And then Holcomb comes in with his five his five stages, which I support, and I'm glad that he's taking like a two week approach. But then he says we're going to review the school situation after July fourth, and so it's like, all right, dude, June's done. So have you gotten any guidance from your school system? I mean, other than the fact that, Hey, we don't know anything until June till at least July 5th. Yeah. I think that's, that's a, the big part that's coming in with us is it. And it's more about graduation, having an actual graduation ceremony, hopefully for these seniors that are leaving. Uh, but sports wise, we've heard nothing as a staff about yeah. any sports activities going on. They're more focused on the graduation aspect, I believe. Yeah. Well, schools would be, um, you know, talking to some of the couple of, so the IBCA, for example, so they, they run the top 100 workout and they essentially run the Charlie Hughes invitational. Now um, they definitely have run it since, since um, the NCAA announced that the final two the final two weekends in June were open, and that and that's a separate issue altogether. But the the thought was okay. So back up. So Ben Davis is where the top one hundred has been for at least a decade. I mean, I don't I can't remember how long that thing's been around, but ever since it's started, it's been at Ben Davis, and it's a great venue for the workout. There's there's six court there's four courts in in their field house there's two courts in their high school when they when they go side when they go side sideways and it, it's it's a great facility for the top 100. Ben Davis had already told the IBCA we're out we're done they were June 30th on their own now whether that was a Ben Davis decision or that was Ben Davis's understanding of what the Department of Education meant but. And I can't remember if we touched on this here as much as many people as I talk to. I can't remember the conversations I have on the phone versus the conversations you and I have here. The IBCA came out with the Charlie Hughes invitational registration stuff. Team, school teams could register. They didn't have to pay. And at one point they had 122 teams already entered. Wow. And they did not do that without knowledge that, there were going to be schools that made themselves available for, for that event. So there was, there was no question. And I'm, so now I'm just guessing. So there's no question that North central Carmel Westfield were going to be available. There was some talk that Hamilton Southeastern schools, which for the purposes of this event would be HSE was not going to be available. Um, Per HS per Hamilton Southeastern schools, but Westfield Carmel North Central, which is, would be officially Washington Township in Marion County, would be available as long as the governor was okay with those types of events. And for those who don't dig in deeply or looking for something as specific as what someone like me would, or or even someone like you would per the governor's plan, that would be June 14th. So June 14th, we're moving into larger events that have to have 
adhere to 50% capacity. Um, now, as it relates to high schools, high schools are shut down. Everything's shut down. So the conversations I was having with one of the, the higher-ups in the IBCA was, was there a way through this? And the answer is no, because at the end of the day, they still include coaches that have to ad- answer to administrators who then have to ad- answer to the board of education, to the state, you know, the, the, the department of education. Um, cause th- there was a thought too, that they could have them at facilities like best choice Fieldhouse in Fishers or Graham park field house in, in Westfield or, or, you know, places sure. like that. Right. And the answer is sure. Functionally they could, as long as we get to the June 14th and we're entering stage four, but school coaches couldn't, couldn't do it. And then at that point, you're basically not having anything related to schools. So, so now that moves us into the stuff that was supposed to happen in June per the IBCA now happen in July and I think the answer is, yeah, they're going to look into it. There's no question about it. And for an AAU guy like me and for a website like us that we're, tr- we're going to go to these things and, and report and, and look, watch, and evaluate, um, I guess part of, me is all, kind of, part of me is for it. And the other part of me is, okay, how is it going to impact kids? Sure. Um, you know, so – it's, you know, it's an interesting juggling act. I, I think if you're involved in, if your school is involved in these events and they're moved to July, then, and it gets to happen in the NCAA, that's the other element, the NCAA. We don't even know that the NCAA is going to let their coaches on the road those two weekends in June. Because by then, by the middle of May, even the D2 guys are shut down. So, um, but once we get into June, those two weeks are open D three. There's hardly any rules NAIA. There's no real rules in terms of calendar. Of course, junior college, there's no rules in terms of calendar that I know of. Um, you know that, I don't know it. I mean, as screwed up as this year has become, if, if we could have a weekend of great basketball, the second weekend of July, I mean, I'm all for it, even oh, if I'm yeah. not, even if I'm only a spectator and not the guy coaching. Now, yeah. I'm coaching freshmen, and and I know a couple of my guys would be involved in the Charlie Hughes Invitational. Well, most of my guys would be involved in that. But I would probably only think as incoming sophomores, only a couple of my guys would be involved in the top 100. Um, I don't know. I thinking as a basketball fan, which is probably what my focus should be for this podcast. I, I hopefully we get a chance to get this in July. And I, and I know you, all of your, any inside information you have is probably as a teacher. So at this point I'm just sort of rattling on. <laughs> well, um, I, I think they're going to put us in good situations too, if it ends up happening where, where they're going to make sure the spectators are safe and, They'll have the mask thing going on and the hand sanitizer and all that stuff going on also just to make sure that a lot of peace of mind actually too with that kind of stuff, I guess. Well, and I've been asked because I'm a guy that goes to a lot of AAU events and a guy who runs, you know, a a league, uh, you know, a fall league that is pretty well attended. Um, Could they have such an event? without fans and my response was well it depends on what your motivation is if your motivation is what's best for the players the answer is absolutely you know maybe you allow again in july we're beyond the june 14th in fact in july we're beyond the july 4th you know if everything goes according to what holcomb wants July 4th, we're free society. You know, everything's back open. Everything's good. Yep. There's probably some some issues maybe that 
what I like about Holcomb is he's been flexible. You know, he's been very flexible in, look, a lot of things opened up today. <laughs> I ran, I did a lot of running around today on things I haven't been able to do for six weeks or eight weeks. Um, but there's still some stuff that even though we're quote in stage two, don't start till next week, like dine in. So he, he's been good about, it's not binary. It's not this or that it's okay. We want to let this happen. And then next week we'll do this. And then, so they've been pretty flexible on phasing things in. So if we get to July 4th, everything's going well, July 4th. I mean, we're back to normal. We probably should still, I mean, we're still vigilant. We're not taking for granted the people who are vulnerable to this. I mean, I've got a nine, I mean, I've got a 97 year old grandmother who up until this point, I mean, literally two days before we shut everything down, we did our weekly lunch, which is effectively us sitting at quote, she calls it the counter, which you and I would call a bar. Cause she likes the, she likes the environment, you know, it's her one chance a week to get out where it's not, you know, freaking MCL or anyway, <laughs> <laughs> enough of that tangent. Yeah. But my point is this, my point is this, is that even up to that point, even if everything is back to normal, I don't know how long it is before I'm able to take my 97 year old grandmother out. All right. You know, this is this is the first week I'll be able to see her in two months. You know, and um, I'll do instead of taking her to lunch, I'll go get food and take it there. And even I'm not sure still this week if I should. So getting back to my point, obviously the vulnerable still need to be extra cautious, and people who are around. Vulnerable people need to be extra cautious, i.e. someone like me, who's fortunate enough to have a, a grandparent still alive that at that age. Yeah, really. But I'm ready to get back in the gym and watch basketball. And, you know, if we get to that point, you know, I think that, um, you know, the NCAA, that first weekend of that second weekend of July is going to be an open period for the evaluation period for the NCAA. Assuming the NCAA is progressing with the states, which I'm sure they will. Um, you know, we could have an opportunity to have basketball then. I, you know, I don't, you know, until then, you know, we're not even supposed to be practicing. Like we're not even supposed to be able to be in a gym until May 24th. And by and by gym, I think they mean like workout facilities and things like that. Of course, by in my case, I mean, you know, gym to get kids in for workouts and practices and things like that. Right. So, yeah, which we might call social gathering. So you can see where my brain is on that note. But so. um I mean, have we gotten anything? What, what's your view? Any any view on that? I mean, I've been rambling on, which I knew would, we both knew that was going to happen. <laughs> but um, no, I mean, I, and I agree a lot with what you're saying about Governor Holcomb's done a nice job of handling everything. I feel like and being very transparent with what he wants to do and how he wants to take things moving forward. And uh, Marion County was at a considered a hot spot that wasn't quite open yet. Well, there was something that came out over the weekend that said Indianapolis was going to be the next hot spot. Well, okay. they've been saying that for six weeks. Right. There's four counties that didn't open up today at the same time as the rest of us did. One was Lake up here by me. One was Lake, which that makes sense because it's by Chicago. Yep. One was Marion County, of course. That's Indianapolis. Yep. And the other was Cass County because of Tyson. The, the Tyson yeah, plant right. there that they had like 900 people. I think that number's factually correct, factually accurate. And then today I heard Monroe County. And I don't, I didn't hear Holcomb say that. I know I didn't Holcomb. I know Holcomb didn't say that in, in his press conference on Friday. Yeah. 
I don't know what changed from Friday to today, but I heard something on the radio that said Monroe County was one of the counties that is delayed a week. Oh, okay. Um, now, to Holcomb's credit, not to dive too deeply into the the governmental and political side of this, but to Holcomb's credit, which is to say I agree with him, as someone who actually leans a little left politically, um the he's focused on hospitalization not cases deaths are hard to quantify in terms of how do you relate it right to living the rest of your life without sounding sounding cold you know or or you know you have an agenda you know whatever but his focus seems to be clearly on hospitalization. Hospitalization has gone down for two weeks, which was the the standard presented by the federal government. Then you look at surge capacity. I have no clue what that actually means. I mean, I know what it means in terms of available beds and things like that, but what their normal standards are. Someone told me it was 70%. As long as under 70%, they think they can handle a lot of things. And we're in the mid to low 50s, so we're good there. Testing for those who have symptoms, and there's where I have the question mark. And then contact tracing, which I'm not one of those paranoid people that thinks Big Brother's out to get me. If I can turn my phone, according to Apple and Google, into a contact tracing source, I'm all in. Right. Um but then I know enough about it to know how to keep people from getting it. If you're paranoid about privacy and you confuse privacy with anonymity, then you may be against it. But hell man, even Germany's has embraced Apple and Google's plan for it. And they're the most paranoid people in the world when it comes to that stuff, you know, given what we've seen the last a hundred years. But, um, but the only issue is testing, and we're not quite to a point where testing is we're, – we're not antibody testing yet. Like we're not – everybody needs to come get a test. Like if, if Holcomb comes out or anybody comes out and says anybody can get a test regardless, I'm in because I want to know if I can get it or not. I might be that one guy that can't get it. Right. You know, I might be well, – not maybe that one guy, but I might be one of those that can't get it. Well, who knows? Maybe I was one of those that was exposed to it and didn't get it, you know, or who knows? I've not really, you know, this time of year, I'm usually sick as heck because it's, I'm usually up late preparing for practices and tournaments and not sleeping a lot. And, but anyway, I mean, we're 22 minutes into this thing and, and we've not really talked about basketball yet, but (laughs) We're getting to it, but we are, but I, I would say that without question that, you know, that no matter what, we want everybody to be safe. But right now it looks like if you're just a high school basketball fan and you're not somebody that wants to go out and doesn't go to a lot of AAU stuff, then that second weekend in July is, is your ticket, you know, and, and hopefully everything goes well, just, you know, within our communities, within our culture, we're safe. We're, we're, we're not spiking. We're not having a lot of unforeseen cases pop up and, and not just for basketball's sake. I mean, there's always, we always have to, the, the, the disclaimer, like, and this is a sports pod. This is a basketball podcast. We're going to focus on basketball. We're not saying that it's more important than life issues, but, but, um, you know, now from an, from an AAU perspective, before we move on, you know, we're looking at events in late June now as being a possibility because now there's no high school stuff in June. And there's things that, the Department of Education can't touch. 
and that's what we're getting into now is I'm starting to get information of we're having this event in late June. You know, the, the last two weekends in June are in play and I am going to play that side of it tight to the vest, you know, according to whatever our state government decides. So we, we started seeking out the final two weekends in June. If there's some options out there for us to play, you know, and, and speaking directly personally, I've, I've communicated with our families of, Hey, if we're only able to have three events because of all this stuff, or even one event, I'm in, in terms of committing my time. And their response has been a hundred percent. We're in with everything. That's awesome. So all, so all, I mean, it, 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 it's either awesome or crazy. (laughs) That's true. I mean, it could be both. Um, but I also live in an area where we have private gyms available. So, you know, that aren't necessarily businesses. Sure. That have to worry about liability issues and stuff like that. So, um, but, you know, we're looking at now might there be some extra, some AAU stuff at the end of June. I don't know. It'll be interesting. Um, you, it seems like we come back. Anytime it's uncertain, it, I always lead back to it'll be interesting. It's a good way to get to it. Been amazing. You know, I've been amazingly busy for someone who's not a teacher, not involved in e-learning, like you probably have to deal with on a daily basis. Yep. Um, I, I've been able to keep myself busy with things that you and I have talked about quite a bit. Hopefully we can we can get to a point where we're announcing it soon. But um, I still want actual basketball. I mean, I haven't, I've yet to watch or listen on the radio to a previously played game. I have been, other than the NFL draft and a little bit of NFL free agency, I have been void of real time sports since the Friday before regionals. And I'm ready. Oh yeah. But I will sit in the mat. I will sit in the damn bubble. <laughs> I'll buy one of those bounce things. Seinfeld. And just sit in that. Yes. Bubble boy. So, um. All right. So let's move on. <laughs> we're we're almost a half hour in. And I'm going to leave with one guy. We're going to move on to the, to three players. So we we've talked already about the class of 2021. And as you and I putted around with the ideas of what, what to talk about this week, which I think we've done an amazing job of finding topics, considering there's been no basketball no, since the middle of March. Yeah. Um, we, when we talked about the 2021 class three or three weeks ago, we sort of, the idea was talking about under the radar kids. And I think there's been three guys that we sort of skipped. Two of there's three guys that we skipped. They they're not the high level recruits, but they're also guys that maybe aren't under the radar in terms of terms of recruiting or in terms of recognition. And so as we were talking about who we were going to talk, you know, what we we're going to talk about this week. We first, we were talking about for those who are listening, our idea was talk about the class of 2021, the kids who were uncommitted other than Trey Kaufman and, and Blake Wesley. Cause those two guys are obvious. They're high majors. They have a lot of offers. Um, and then it turns out that, We've, we've probably talked a lot about a lot of these guys, except for three guys that we need to talk more about. One is one is Blake Sisley. Uh, the other is, is Luke Brown, and the other is Tyler Ross. Kyle Ross. Um, Kyle Ross. Sorry, Tyler's his brother. Um, I, I'll start with Luke Brown. A lot of mid-major offers already. It's probably the 
best shooter to come through Indiana in, in quite a long time. And and a kid that is sort of polarizing in a way. Hold on a second. I'm writing down a number here when we get like a timestamp. Um, you know, there's this there's this deal on social media where and sometimes it reached the the parent level and I'm not and I'm definitely not saying it's the case in this because Luke's dad's a great guy so I'm not lumping him into this at all but there's still this issue where if you don't think a kid is as good as what others think he is then they almost get like hateful towards you to the point where they're trying to pin you as the hater. And that's where we are with Luke Brown. It's not Luke's fault. It's not Luke's family's fault. It's not coach Hoover's fault at all. I mean, he is, but there's, there are people out there who think that I, you, that big 10 schools are crazy for not offering him yet. And my take on that is simple, that he still has a lot to prove before. That's just a different conversation. He is is a high-level shooter. He is high-level vision. Um, His assists at the high school level are inflated, in my opinion, because the ball sticks with him and it has to stick with him. That's not a criticism. Uh, he's, I mean, everything is either is him with a shot at Blackford, him with him getting a shot or him hitting someone who's open because of how much gravity he has on the court. Yeah, definitely. So he's not going to average He's not going to draw that much attention at the high major level. And defensively, if we're starting to get into this deeper dive here, which is what our intention is with these three guys, defensively, he never gets challenged at the high school level. Certainly not athletically. And that's not to say that somebody that he plays doesn't try to run him through a bunch of screens make him work on the defensive end. But even as Blackford has tried to schedule up by going down to the North Davies, the the Graber event down there, it's still not athletically anywhere near what he's going to face in college. Um, And in the summer, he's had some injuries that he's dealt with. but he's only been in a couple of situations where he's been on top level teams and either finished the year with them or had a chance to really get out there and play. And one, one of the reasons why these three kids that we're talking about is what we're talking about is because these three guys are probably going to be three of the dudes that are greatly impacted by not being able to play the last two weeks of April, the last two weeks of June. Yeah, for sure. And hopefully they get it. And hopefully they get a chance in July to, even if it's with the school team to play competition where he can show that because it, what most people don't understand is, it's not a it's not always a discussion that's just about somebody's skill set or somebody's ability. It's what translates to to the next level. You talk about Luke Brown going to a Mac school like Ball State, Miami of Ohio, you know, Toledo, whatever. 
all of a sudden he's a high major shooter in a mid-major league. And that balances out any questions you might have about him defensively. He's a willing passer, and there's no question in my mind that if you put Luke Brown in a structured offense, if you put Luke Brown in an offense where there, it's not as structured, but there's still certain reads, like prescribed reads, especially in ball screen action, no question in my mind the ball doesn't does not stick in his hands like it like it has to at Blackford. But he's not going to average seven and a half, eight assists a game, or whatever his stats were this year. Um, you know, and and but if I'm Ball State, which they've offered him, so if I'm Ball State, hell yeah, I'm I'm all over the kid because he's a game changer of a shooter. You know, now, should Indiana or Purdue, Notre Dame, focusing on Indiana high majors, Butler, should they go after him? Well, that's what this spring and summer were going to be about. No question they were going to watch him play. I mean, I don't have that commitment from anybody on those coaching staffs. But when you got a guy that's got a high major skill set or high major ability – Hopefully somebody on his in this kid's corner is preaching that, and I know they are. You know, and then they got to then these schools have to decide: is he a willing defender? And the answer is yes, he's a willing defender. Um, and that's a Dick Bennett thing. The Dick Bennett, the the coat, the the dad, not the coach at Virginia. His dad, he he's a guy that wants willing defenders. You know, and because you can get a system around, you can have a pretty good defense of guys that are willing defenders, even if they're not necessarily as capable as some might be. Not everybody has to be Quinn Buckner defensively. You know, not everybody has to be um, Chris Reynolds, you know, defensively. I'm just sitting on my eye, you guys. Not everybody has to be Ron, Ron Norad defensively from Butler. Um, but I mean, Luke Brown is a willing defender. He's a willing passer. He has great vision. He's a great shooter. It's clearly a mid-major prospect, clearly. And, and I think his offers reflect that from a high major perspective. The question is, is who can he guard? And you know, that's, that's hurt a lot of guys. You know, that's, we're going to talk about Demise Anderson later. And that, that's part of the, that's part of his situation. Sure. Um, but I mean, Luke Brown's going to end up being one of the top 10 scores in the history of Indiana high school basketball. Now I would say a, he would have been better off had he stayed at Brownsburg. But that's just my opinion. Um, think of how good Brownsburg would be. We, I said this in one of our earlier podcasts, how good Brownsburg would be if they had Luke Brown and Kamari Lands. I mean, those two guys were Brownsburg residents. Kamari, in this case, actually went to Brownsburg schools. Luke went to Bethesda. But I don't know that anybody ever thought he was going to go to Bethesda Christian High School. Um, but you know, there's still some people out there that are like, if you don't think Luke Brown's good enough to play in the Big Ten, then you must hate him. The answer is no, don't love the kid. He's he's really good. I mean, I coach Jason Holsinger tell you all day the deficiencies that he had if the conversation was could he play in the Big Ten? You know, and I, I would kill to coach a kid like that. But defensively, the Missouri Valley was his ceiling. You know, he went to Evansville. Um, and had a good career on a team that struggled the four years he was there. You know, and Luke, Luke Brown is longer, bigger, more athletic. 
but the game is also longer, bigger, more athletic. But he's definitely a high major offensive player who still has to answer some questions defensively if the context is we're going to play at a high major level. If we're talking about, I mean, even if he goes to the MAC, he's going to have to up his up what he's done defensively to this point. Yeah, right. But I think, and I think he's got that in him. So I mean, I think there it becomes he's a willing defender. No, he's going. He's not going to be out there turning people over. He's going to be able to guard his yard, widen the gap, whatever coaches want to call it, push people to help. You know, Whit Whitford, Coach Whitford at Ball State's a pack line guy. So, I mean, he's going to be able to survive in that environment. And and then hopefully offensively, you know, he's able to be a kid that, you know, and who knows, he's able to be a kid that really produces. And who knows when he's a grad, he's a grad, tra- I mean, if he graduates early, he gets to be a grad transfer. I hate that rule. <laughs> I don't know any coach that likes that rule. I know a lot of coaches, obviously, that love to take advantage of it. But deep down, they I don't know that anybody likes that rule. Because people don't like uncertainty. But, you know, if that's where he ends up, he's going to have a chance to have a really good career and and then see where it goes athletically. You know, physically, he's a late bloomer. Um, So some of this could be tied to that. But no question in my mind, offensively, he's, he's extremely gifted. Now, you said you've seen him play a couple of times. Yeah, uh, just talking about you talk about him offensively gifted. I was looking at his stats here. Uh, shot fifty four percent from the field this year, forty percent from three, and ninety percent from the free throw line. Uh, and like we're saying, he he has to do all that stuff for for uh, Blackford, but he's also capable of doing all that stuff for them. Yeah, uh, I saw him for the first time his freshman year came up to a game and they played North Miami. So competition, not as great like we've been saying also, but as a freshman, even his demeanor, the uh, the way he carried the team in that game, even uh, I knew right away, he was the guy that was going to have to score for them just from what I saw. But, uh, but, but he was capable. And, and Strobel's not bad. I mean, they, they've got a kid that's described that's, you know, as a senior now or, essentially done Strobel's Strobel's good Strobel's a good player for what Black, Blackford has produced if Luke Brown wasn't at Blackford Strobel would probably be the best player they've had in a decade you know and it's the the funny thing is for a kid growing up in Carmel that when we used to go to the Anderson regional in the late 70s Blackford was winning sectionals <laughs> you know back in the late 70s yeah. so I always thought Blackford was good and then you know you get in the late 80s and start paying attention beyond what I would, you know, they would go through years. They would win no games or one game or, you know, whatever. But, but and every now and then they have a, a year where they win nine games and Luke Brown has made a big difference, but, but Matt, but Strobel's pretty good. And, but everything begins and ends. I remember talking with Tyler Stotler, who's the head coach at Daleville. They played him they, two years ago. This was not this past year, but the year before they were just going to double him everywhere. They were just going to send people at him and, and hope they could make people miss, you know, and, and it worked in the first half, but, but his kids got so rattled that they, they couldn't, the guys he had couldn't handle, you know, they would create turnovers or, or create misses and then they would attack and transition and turn the ball over themselves. So they could they couldn't capitalize. So the the, the strategy worked, but the execution on the back end didn't. So I don't know. Luke, Luke's a kid that, like all the other two kids we're going to talk about, because you're going to talk about Kyle Ross here, are just sort of that kid that's. Not that there aren't others that fall in. I mean, Cooper Jacoby is one of these guys that are just in between levels. Like, you know, what do you, there's certain things about him that you like, and there's certain things about him that you like to a point. And then it's, can they get over that hump? 
And that's that's where we are with with Luke. It's okay if he's going to be better. If he's going to play above a, a, I mean, if he's going to play at a competitive Division One level, he's going to have to really prove himself defensively. That's going to be. Can he stay on the floor defensively? Exactly. And you know, and that's I mean, offensively, kid's really good. I mean, he's fun to watch. I don't, I like a kid that can pull up from 25, 20, 28 feet, like it's nothing. And he has always played with that confidence. Yep. That's, always. That's what I was like. Like I was saying, his freshman year, that's why I saw him doing that. Just pulling up volleyball line and stroking him. And, I, and I'm coaching two guys right now where I'm in their ear all the time. Any shot you want, you get. Any shot you want, you get. One of them's new to me and one of them's been with me for a couple of years. And and he doesn't not a full time start. And these guys neither one of these guys may ever start games with our group. I'm not saying that they won't. I'm just saying that there are definitely going to be a lot of games they don't start just because of the kids we've got, but it, when they're in the game, get shots. Luke when Luke Brown has the ball, get a shot. We had Holsinger with Armand Bassett, Dominic James. Dude, when you're in the game, get shots. Play with confidence. Don't pass anything up. You know, and Luke Brown's that kind of shooter. So, um, Kyle Ross kind of falls in this category too. Maybe not, maybe more of the low D1 right now, leaning toward mid, right? His, his size, skill set, talk about that a little bit. Yeah, size and skill set. I mean, we saw him last year win the state championship with Andrean. Uh, was a big part of that team, obviously. He can step out, hit the three. He'll bang in the post a little bit. I don't know if he seems a little tentative with contact sometimes. Uh, and then he had the, the falling out, I guess you would say, at Andrean this year. Didn't get the play. So, like we mentioned before, this AU season was probably going to be pretty big for him. Transferring to Lake Central, didn't end up playing there this year either. Uh, so, yeah. Do we know out. when? Do we? Do we know when he's eligible? Is he? Uh, my understanding I mean, is it, was is it going to be the three sixty five? Well, I'm not sure. My understanding was he was going to be after ten practices this year, and then that never came came through. So, uh, okay. I haven't dug into that any further, but. But yeah, the AAU season was definitely going to be something he was going to use to to propel his game. He's got the one D one offer right now from uh, Green Bay, I believe. Yep. Uh, but yeah, shoots the three, uh, can rebound a little bit, uh, is effective in the post. We said mentioned his size six seven, probably what two fifteen two twenty. You say. Yeah. Um, did you have anything you wanted to, to add there? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> I I think, I mean, it's look, his dad, I know the kid pretty well, I know the dad really well. And I think laterally, his he, lateral quickness is going to be an issue for him. Is Again, I think all three of these kids, Sicily is no different. It's, who can you guard? You know, and that's and that's going to be at what level can you guard where it maximizes your ability to be recruited. And for as much as Kyle has wanted to expand his game, uh, defensively, he's a tweener between a four and a three. Defensively. Yep, yep I was going to say that. You know, and that's there's and there's nothing wrong with being a skilled four. And if that maximize, if that's where he has to be to maximize his recruiting, then you know now we're looking at where can he do that? And look, his brother was went to a Division two school down in Florida. I mean, won a national championship down at Florida Southern with, of all people, Michael Volovic from Carmel. Uh, he, and I think that the thought was was that Kyle was going to do more development 
beyond his coaches. Like, you know, the people like just put a lot of work in individually to where he's more skilled than what Tyler was at that, at a comparable age, I should say, because Tyler was pretty skilled in college. Uh, certainly a good shooter. And, you know, where it, go, where it goes from there is just some of it is how much can he accomplish physically? You know, and I think lateral quickness is his big bugaboo. But but the one thing that I think he, he should realize is that he's still a physical, a, a player who can be physical down low and, and post up in matchup situations. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I'm I'm not entirely sure that he looked to do that a whole lot. Even the even the year they won state, you know, last year, um, you know, he struggled against Lake Central to start the year. Um, in fact, I'm not even sure. You know, he did play that game and just struggled. And you know, it, it's. Um, but yeah, just defensively, it's it's going to be that's that's the question with him. I think with all three of these guys. Yeah, so. and I was going to say that too. Defensively, it, it, who is he going to guard at the next level? Can he guard a three? We were saying with his lateral quickness, it'd be kind of difficult. So it's going to have to guard somebody similar to himself, like a stretch four kind of guy, maybe that's not going to try to get around him and get to the basket. You know, and a lot of that stuff you can't control. I mean, there's only so much you can do with yourself physically in terms of development. I mean, there's guys that are late bloomers that that end up improving exponentially because all of a sudden their body catches up with their, their work ethic, you know, and their skill. And, you know, that would be a kid like Blake Wesley, for example. I mean, there's, there's nothing that any a lot of these kids can do that will ever make themselves as athletic as Blake Wesley. Just not, right. just not going to happen. Yeah. So, um, moving on to to Blake Sisley. A lot of the quite a little taller, a little longer, maybe not as strong, or definitely not as thick as as Ross. But a lot of you know some of the same questions. Now, early on, some people down there compare him to, to Matt, you know, to Nunji, who's at Iowa. And he's not going to be that tall, six nine, very skilled, and he looks long. I don't, I don't know what his wingspan is, but he looks pretty long. I, I like his offensive skill set, and I think defensively he's squarely a four. And I, and I don't, you know, I think that he is. I think he realizes that too. He's just a four, but he's a skilled four, and he's a kid that can get a straight line drive. He's got a three point or a straight line drive the basket. He's got three-point range. I don't know that you wrap a lot of your offense around him getting shots from the three-point line right now, but it's definitely good enough that it can be part of what you do. Um, you know, a lot of ball screen action perhaps, and I don't get a chance to watch Heritage Hills that much. But, of course, this past year, they, you know, they got three kids that do a lot of their scoring with, with Becker and, and Cherry as well as as well as Blake but but um, you know next year he's going to be the guy clearly the guy and he's going to have an opportunity to do a lot more I think offensively and really show his game he'll probably be committed by by the time the school season starts but he has a lot of good mid-major offers right now as well and and I think this summer was going to be the chance to show does he have the high major skill set offensively to propel him into that type of interest? And and I think he's just that borderline kid where if you can fall in love with him offensively, you know he's going to get stronger. You know he's going to get a little bit more athletically or athletic with the, with you know the the you know with that being the focal point when you get to college of having that extra time to train and and develop, but. But there's there's no question he's a Missouri Valley type kid. There's no question he's a MAC level type kid, and and that's 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 a really fine competitive basketball player. Um, I like that he's not afraid to post up. That he's not unwilling to post up. 
but I also like that he is a kid that can put the ball on the floor, get to the rim, one bounce from the three-point line. You know, you the one thing that we've seen a lot of through all this COVID and stuff is is a lot of Instagram and Facebook workouts and things like that from all these kids, not just from him. Oh, definitely. <laughs> but he's 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 one of them. And I've enjoyed him. I mean, it's it's you know, his his dad posts it. They got a nice house, nice driveway. <laughs> and uh he's putting in work. And I you know, a lot of these kids are, and it's been fun watching that stuff. Um, I think that's the only live sports I get really. Um have you seen Blake? Have you seen Blake play a whole lot, or is just too far away from you right now? He, yeah, he's too far away from me. I I uh, caught one of his games on IHSA. Uh, I believe it was a Newcastle game. And got okay, the, the Hall of Fame. To, yeah, but he against Trey Kaufman. But uh, yeah, definitely was shooting it and wasn't afraid to post, like you said. Pretty smooth with the ball. I. Lo- I mean, I've had a lot of success with kids like that. I mean, I coached a kid, Bronson Kessinger, like that. Um, I, I always feel like if my power forward was one of my better players, that I'm probably – we're probably going to be pretty good just because of the, the way we – like just because it works so well in motion in terms of if you've got a really good skilled four offensively, then then you can do a lot of different things. And he, and he falls right in that category. and. And, um, I don't know. I, you know, he'll, he'll be a kid. His recruiting will be, his recruiting process will be interesting to see if he gets enough interest in the fall to justify him to wait till the spring to commit. I would probably, I'm trying to think this through as I speak. I I would probably advise him not to wait because I'm a big believer in you go where you're wanted because that because that means colleges are prioritizing you as opposed to going where you're needed and because if you're going where you're needed you're you're kind of not you're not necessarily Mr. Right but you're Mr. Right now if that makes sense yeah uh and if if he can if he goes into the spring he might fall in that trap of some high major team is really searching for a kid and they'll go get a kid like him who fits in some ways, but may not fit in others and then go right ahead and over recruit him right away or start over recruiting him right away. And that happens a lot. And there's, there's kind of a, it's not really a joke, but it's sort of a, a, a mindset in the spring that, you know, April's trans, you know, April's commitments or March's transfers you know, the following year. Uh-huh. And then that plays out a lot, I think. And, and, but he's a kid that I think would, would be definitely has been deserved a deeper dive. Like we're done here today where the recruiting process is stunted because of what we're going through right now. So, um, any, anything else on any of those guys? I mean, I know we, we, we really spent a lot of time on Brown. Did we miss anything on Ross before we move on? Um, I don't think so. I think I, I think just him sitting out this year is going to really affect him in the long run. I feel like, especially now that the AAU season's not happening like it was supposed to, and just in the long run, I'm not sure how that'll play out for him right now. All these guys are are borderline guys. You know, the more opportunities they get a chance to get seen, the, the better they are. And, and unfortunately, we're in a position where that's going to be limited. I, I'll be interested to see what the NCAA does in terms of do they open up any weekends? Is June still in play for them somehow? Do they adjust it and say that their coaches can go anywhere and watch in June? There's no indication that they'll make any changes recruiting calendar other than not letting coaches go on the road through May. That's where the eighth episode of Courtside Indiana podcast ends. We'll drop another one later this week. For Zach Tyler, this is Jim Reamer. Appreciate you guys listening to the podcast. Join us um, at courtsideindiana.com. 
And you can subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, as well as SoundCloud. Thanks for listening. Thank you.